I'm Victoria Ash. And I'm Paul Griffith. And welcome to the Business of Adventure podcast, where we find out how people make a sustainable living from life and work in the outdoors. So, Victoria, tell us who we're hearing from today. Yeah. So I've been talking to Esther Foster, who is a climbing instructor based in the Lake District. And our Business of Adventure subscribers will know we featured Esther in a few of our blogs. And you and I have known her for a few years now. Indeed. And I love the focus Esther has in her business and, in fact, was really encouraged by her feedback when she came to some of those workshops that we've run for adventure business owners. Well, I thought it was worth zoning in on a few of the things that really stand out about her business and that we you know, touched on in the blogs. But in particular, talking about how she's developed her positioning or what she wants to be famous for and how she's really focused on building her niche as a specialist climbing instructor. Okay, no, I like the sounds of that. Uh, As anyone who's worked with us will know, getting this positioning thing right is probably the one thing we think makes the biggest contribution to a business's success. Yep. It's just um, so important in helping you make all kinds of decisions, everything from the people you want to work with to, in fact, how much you're able to charge which we know is a big issue for lots of people in the industry. Anyway, look, sorry, I'm rabbiting on. Um, (laughs) What else should we listen out for? Well, I guess it is part of her positioning strategy, but she talks in quite a lot of detail about her decisions to work with groups who haven't traditionally been involved in climbing. So she runs a lot of women-only climbing courses and has been involved in various women's groups like the Women's Climbing Symposium, Women's Treadfest, just trying to give women more confidence in the climbing space. And she's also been doing an increasing amount of work with Muslim women's groups and black and brown climbers, really tapping into a desire that she's seeing in the outdoor industry to do more to encourage inclusivity. And so I found that really inspiring, hearing about how she's got involved with really work that chimes with her values. And then we went on to talk about other aspects of running a business, like deciding what to outsource, how to improve her profitability, and being open to getting support from other people, recognising perhaps that everyone has strengths and weaknesses and not everybody can be good at everything. Uh, But there's a lot in that, so I'm pretty sure it's going to be a good listen. Shall we get going? Yep. So, welcome Esther. It's lovely to have you here today. Tell us a bit about yourself and and your business. Okay, thanks for having me. A bit about me. I'm 34. I live in the Lake District up in Keswick in the North Lakes. I've been, I suppose, working in the outdoors most of my adult life. I went and did an outdoor education degree when I left school. And then my outdoor work has evolved from there, really, and definitely developed from like a passion for climbing that I kind of found Mm. when I was younger. My business now, again, has evolved over the years. It's now at a point where I pretty much run my own business as a sole trader. I do almost exclusively climbing related work. So I guess to give you a flavor of how like a month would look for me, obviously it varies a little bit, but I'll work predominantly with adults Mm. and a lot of small ratios. So some of that will be one-to-one or one-to-two ratios, and that might be specific climbing coaching work where I'm helping people to progress their own climbing 
or push through grades or improve at whatever level they are. Some of that will be beginners. Some of that will be trad climbing or multi-pitch climbing or all sorts of different forms of climbing. Mm. Um, and then also throughout that time, I do quite a bit of work training other instructors. Mm. So that will be training and assessing national governing body awards in climbing. And I also am involved with quite a few events, I suppose, and initiatives in the outdoors. So some of that will be women's only groups or underrepresented groups in the outdoors. And I'm also director for the Women's Climbing Symposium. So that's currently absorbing all of my time at the moment because it's coming up next week. So yeah, uh, that runs each year and is a big climbing event in different parts of the country with speakers that come from all over and coaches and it's a pretty exciting and big event in the calendar for women's climbing so yeah um a nice amount of variety but pretty much all climbing work really busy busy so and and is it fairly steady over the year or does it sort of vary seasonally in a significant way it does vary a little bit so my kind of busy season will kind of pick up towards the end of March and then it will be busy from April through to about now really kind of like mid-November and then it will quieten down for a few months so the winter times I take like a little bit more downtime go on holiday a little bit more but also do more indoor coaching throughout the winter yeah little bits and bobs of different stuff and also play catch up with uh, all the the bigger picture stuff, I suppose, about your own business and yeah. planning and stuff like that. So it's a, a nice time of year in some ways, the winter, but uh, a little bit quieter. Yeah, yeah, no, great. So, I mean, we first met, gosh, two or three years ago, I guess. And um, I remember having discussions with you then, I think one of the workshops that we were running around you know, the value of having a focus, this idea of positioning, we call it, but I mean, essentially, it's about being clear around what you want to be famous for, where you want to focus, you know, where you put your resources and efforts and energy. And I feel like that's really developed for you over the past few years, as you've mentioned, focusing on adults and skills. I mean, tell us a little bit more about where that focus came from you know was it purely because you saw that as a commercial opportunity or just that was where your passion was or there was a gap in the market what drove that I think in a way it's evolved in quite a natural way Mm. but then it's also been refined through being purposeful as well I suppose it's a bit of a mix of the two and I think part of that has come from I've always had a very clear personal passion for climbing and for coaching and movement in climbing and really progressing people. And so over the years, I've refined my work to be more of that, whereas some of my colleagues or whatever that have similar qualifications to me will be a bit more broad in what they deliver. Mm. They'll do a lot of scrambling work as well and winter mountaineering work and hill work and everything. Mm. And whilst I do enjoy that stuff, my main passion is definitely in climbing. So it's definitely come from like a personal enjoyment. And I suppose I'm one of those people that likes being good at stuff. (laughs) So I have enjoyed being very good, but at less things (laughs) as opposed to trying to be good at everything yeah um and I definitely set out wanting to be known for the climbing work and it's Mm -hmm. so it's been really lovely to see that 
evolve over the years. So it's come from like that passion, but also actually, yeah, over the last four or five years, chatting to people like yourselves and getting a little bit more support, I suppose, for others and chatting to people that I know and getting thoughts and advice. It's been really useful Mm. to make those active decisions about who am I and where do I want to go and what do I want to be known for and that kind of thing. Mm. And so it's given me a lot of confidence actually to refine what I do and not to be afraid of that. I think when you first start out in your business in the outdoors, it's quite easy to try and almost like advertise a little bit of everything, Mm. which isn't a bad thing. But actually, there is a lot to be said for offering less, but being the go-to for that. And someone told me this amazing analogy of like having a restaurant and serving all these different cuisines, whereas actually people will want to get a pizza from a pizza restaurant or go to a specific place for that specific thing and not being afraid to do that. So there's definitely been a lot of learning, I think, over the last few years, and it's been really lovely to see my focus grow and mm. being confident in that and, and seeing the benefit of that and I think I am getting to a point where actually each year I think almost things get a little bit more refined but in a good way and in a, a good direction I think. Yeah oh, that's really great to hear that and also I think some really important sort of learnings to share of just having that confidence to do that and also I guess what its effect it's had on terms of attracting business but also in terms of pricing does that mean because you're more specialist more expert in a particular area has that given you confidence to charge a bit more or tell us a bit more about that maybe yeah definitely and I think again there's a bit of a mix of things I think over the years I've almost got better at realizing how much of my time is actually required (laughs) Mm. and so taking that into account when I price things Mm. as you all know and we all know like a lot of us outdoorsy people haven't necessarily come with a business mind and so I would have started out years ago pricing you know my daily rate or whatever as my daily rate whereas now my daily rate takes into account a little bit more my experience and my how much I value what I do and how good I am or what I think I can offer Mm. but also that awareness of like the behind the scenes stuff (laughs) the admin the other costs of running a business and and so I've definitely grown in like my awareness of that but also my confidence to put yourself out there with that figure Mm. that number and to be like yeah I I know that I don't want to charge any less than that I mean just picking that up it's also I think a really important piece of the sort of whole positioning jigsaw of just how you set yourself out in the market there's often that temptation to underprice or not value yourself correctly but actually that sets up a bit of a kind of confusion potentially in a client's mind, doesn't it? Because if you're offering this premium service at the one end of the spectrum, but you're charging, you know, below market rates, that's potentially confusing. Definitely. And I think mm. when you're both younger or less experienced or less confident in your business, it can be very tempting to think, I'm just starting out, I need to have my prices really low. Mm. I want to get more work, so I need to have low prices. And actually reconfiguring that a little bit and delving into that a little bit 
in the way that you helped a few years ago, I remember. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. Good, good. So tell us a bit more about this um, work you do with women's climbing groups and groups from underrepresented communities, because I know that's quite a focus for you. And actually, I mean, the other aspect we'll come back to perhaps in a minute is, you know, you talk about this in quite an outspoken way, sometimes on social media, which I think is really refreshing, but some of the issues facing those groups. So yeah, tell us a bit more how you got into doing that. Yeah. So I've climbed for about 20 years now. And when I first started, I don't remember there being any events or groups for specific people in the outdoors that I knew of anyway. I'm sure there were little pockets, but there wasn't much. And we have seen a huge growth. And then I think it was exacerbated by COVID and lockdowns. And we've kind of seen an explosion in often grassroots community groups, events, weekends, courses, socials for specific demographics, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And that has often, in the outdoors, that has often been for groups that are a little bit underrepresented in the outdoors or have been marginalised or have specific needs. Um, So there was, pre-COVID, there was definitely women's events women's trad Mm. fest women's climbing symposium and women's socials and those were increasing but we have definitely seen an explosion in the last few years and it's been really exciting and a really um pivotal time I think for the outdoors and Mm. it's nice it's great to take a look at that and work out why that is what our place as outdoor leaders is in that and what we can learn as well from it Mm. so I've been involved with things like as I said, Women's Trad Fest and Women's Climbing Symposium and Women's Socials at Climbing Wars for quite a number of years. Um, Since lockdowns, I suppose had that time to take a bit more of a look at what I do. Mm. And then also things coincided with, I think it was the Black Lives Matter movement Mm. and George Floyd. And there was a lot more in the media and a lot of us were taking that bigger look I mean like okay what does this mean for me and what can I do and I think originally I felt like I'm just a sole trader and I'm just a Mm. tiny person taking Mm. people climbing in a tiny part of the world but actually I started following more groups and people on social media to learn stuff and to keep things fresh I suppose in my head and then started contacting a few people and just being like can I get involved? Mm. Can I do something for you? Mm. Is there opportunity here? And so it was definitely didn't all just fall on my lap. Like I definitely kind of just pushed a few doors and some of those opened. Um, and so in the past few years, I've ended up running or collaborating with Muslim women's groups sometimes, mm-hmm. um, working with more black and brown people in different formats, whether that's events or courses or whatever, and also trying to help educate others a little bit I suppose not Mm. that I know everything at all but sometimes that's been through my social media or through writing some articles or having conversations with other people um, or trying to make people think a little bit on the training courses that I run for up-and-coming instructors so there's been a lot of opportunity for me Mm. and it's been a really great time to get involved in that and it's definitely something that I'm still learning and working out what can I do and what is this, albeit small platform I have, 
And it's funny because I think in some ways, you know, a lot of us in the outdoors, we just work basically in the kind of tourist sector. It's just leisure. It's it's something that's fairly small in a way. I'm not saving people's lives every day. Like, you know, it's quite small in a sense, but actually when I'm out there taking people climbing or chatting to them or spending the day with them, it is pretty incredible how powerful those outdoor experiences Mm. can be. Mm. And it does sound a bit cliche, but like, I do think that we have quite a big opportunity to impact people's lives in the outdoors. Um, And I do like, I enjoy that. And I do see that as like part of what I do really, as well as just sharing the joy of climbing. I mean, I love what you've talked about in terms of the power of networks and relationships and women's groups you know you said that sort of really took off after the pandemic are you seeing that continuing and growing definitely definitely and it's interesting actually um to look at what's happening and also consider what's going to keep happening and also how those groups are working and what I mean by that is Mm. like you're saying sometimes it's the cost of getting to places or the travel Mm. or the kit or whatever And actually, a lot of the groups that have come about in the last few years in the outdoors are grassroots, are community-led, and are non-profit a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so actually, although there's an emphasis and a lot of brands are trying to increase their diversity, representation, and blah, 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 actually a lot of the groundwork is being done by people that are getting paid nothing or very Mm -hmm. little. And so there's definitely challenges there in terms of making things sustainable, Mm. making things affordable, but also helping people to get paid that work in the outdoors and helping everything to work so that it's not always just people trying to make these good things happen Mm. essentially for free. Mm. Um, So there's definitely a few challenges there. Mm. And how's that being addressed? There's definitely more collaboration. So there's some really great initiatives in the outdoors and all the elements is one that springs to mind. They're kind of bringing together a lot of these different community groups and grassroots organisations and people on the ground Mm. and trying to provide that network, provide training, help with support and learning. And there is support from organisations like Mountain Training Mm, that mm. delivers a lot of qualifications that are trying to increase diversity and so there is sometimes support financially for people that can't afford it or to encourage mm. better representation but um it's definitely a tricky one yeah yeah no I get that I get that so changing tack slightly you mentioned how the winter gave you a bit more downtime to focus on your on your business. I mean, tell us a bit more about how you spend your time as a business owner and what skills have been important to you. Because you mentioned, you know, and I think that's very much obviously the focus of what we're here doing here with these business adventure podcasts, that recognizing that people have a particular skill set in the outdoors in whatever their field is, but you're not necessarily coming into it as a business expert or having done a business studies degree or anything like that. So, yeah, give us a bit of a flavour of what's been important to you in terms of being a business owner. Yeah, um, I've definitely had to learn a lot. And I think I feel like I've 
had to learn from scratch really Mm. and almost a little bit on the back foot I guess if I went back in time and actively made that decision to be like right from this day I'm running my own business how can I make that happen and you know put things in place and everything I wasn't really like that I kind of all just evolved Mm. Mm. yeah so all of that businessy stuff I feel like I've had to learn learn what I can do learn what's best to outsource and what I can outsource and and how can I gain that support so I think the kind of one aspect has been like the finance and tax side of things Mm -hmm. which again I didn't really have any clue about and had to learn and work out what's important and how to manage that side of things another area is the kind of online presence that's so important these days so website and social media and refining that over the years again kind of working out the purpose of that and and Mm. refining it a little bit like we were saying with my practical work um, and also working out what I can do what's best to ask other people to do how can I learn and how can I also provide something that's of value to other people Mm. I kind of most of us have a love-hate relationship with social media (laughs) and so I'm quite aware of that and I I want to provide something that's of value of people that follow me yeah and so I try to do that and and I think it is about getting the balance so I kind of question that a lot and think about that a lot I suppose other aspect of running my own business is you actually have to be really organized and really disciplined Mm. Mm. (laughs) and you can't just go climbing every day although it's probably easy to see my photos on social media be like (laughs) oh what a great life just go climbing every day it's always sunny but actually (laughs) there's loads of kit to sort Um, you have to be really organized your timekeeping has to be really good. My admin has to be really good. Mm. And with that comes a need to be quite strict with my time. And it's something I'm definitely still working on. Mm. It's very easy to get home at the end of the day and be like, right, now I need to do my emails. Now I need to do some social media. And before you know it, you've worked every single day of the week, really. Mm. And I find it is quite hard for me to switch off. Yeah, And that's something I've noticed over the past few years actually is recognizing that oh yeah I'm not really switching off I don't have that kind of go home from work and now I'm at home and work's parked yeah so that is that one downside I suppose of working for yourself and something that I'm having to navigate and whilst I love what I do I do need to learn to separate things a little bit sometimes and go on holiday and turn off all of the emails and and all that kind of stuff and just be strict with that side of things so there's certainly been a lot to learn and and stuff I will continue to learn but yeah I can definitely see that after improved at least well that's good that's good yeah (laughs) and you mentioned some of the things you've you know worked out over time makes sense to outsource I mean give us a couple of examples I don't know finance comes up for a lot of people is that something Mm. you've outsourced to somebody else or tell us a bit more yeah so I don't outsource a lot I almost have done in little pockets Mm. But it's something that I would like to do more of over the years. And I suppose one thing that can be tricky and that a lot of people will have to think about is that I feel like it's almost like, do you outsource first to get things working better and then your income increases? Or do you, you know, work really hard and do everything yourself? And then as you get surplus income, start to be able to outsource. And that's been the way around for me. Mm. But I think, again, you know, maybe that's something I'd change if I went back, kind of recognizing that it's worth the investment often at the start, even just a little bit, Mm. rather than often 
I think outdoorsy people quite like to try and do everything themselves and we're yeah. quite like jack of all trades and stuff. So that's definitely something I've learned. But over the years, the, the kind of support I've got on a more formal basis, I suppose, is attending those workshops run by you and Paul, which were mm. quite pivotal, I think. And the first time I'd ever stepped back and had that expert business minded knowledge and support I've also ended up paying someone else to do bits on my website at times, Mm. which has been really valuable and is expensive, but has been really valuable. And I would love to keep doing that if Mm. I can. I've also paid someone to do a bit of like kind of social media marketing training with me for a few Mm. months. Mm. And that involved them kind of taking a look at what I'm trying to do, who I'm trying to reach how you can reach them and that was really useful in terms of them explaining marketing to me basically yeah (laughs) and a little bit about what does work and why and then I've also done a little bit of one-to-one business coaching which is a little bit more like conversational Mm. for you know every couple of weeks for a few months and that was a little bit more reflective and talking through with someone over any topics that I choose basically relate to my business anything I'm struggling with or anything Mm. I decisions I'm needing to make and that was interesting because that was quite different they weren't giving me expert knowledge but they were making me think myself (laughs) Mm. and being that person to offload on a little bit and just talk through stuff in like a focused way and it was quite nice because it almost took a lot of those thoughts that kind of float around in my head throughout the week and put it into an hour and a half and sorted it out a little bit and almost parked it a little bit. Yeah. And also gave me a bit of a kick to like make a few things happen Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it was like that, um, that accountability. That's really interesting. And I think particularly recognizing that the benefit of getting external expertise and, you know, your experience with coaching as well. I mean, I guess it's the parallel of people coming to you in order to get some expert insight and take that external look at what I'm doing when I'm climbing. How can I, how can I alter that? So, yeah, exactly. And it's funny because when you take a step back, it's like, well, I'm going to people trying to tell them that it's really worth them paying for me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and it's really worth them getting coaching with me. So, so I should be willing to do that with other people. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Investing in yourself the other way around. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. I mean, tell us, you know, looking ahead, um, I think you mentioned at the outset, you're a sole trader. I don't get from our previous conversations that you're planning to sort of necessarily grow beyond that. But yeah, tell us a little bit about how you see the next few years and your work evolving. It was really interesting to actually think about these questions because it it's good for making me think mm. as well and take that time to look at the bigger picture. I think I'm pleased with the direction my business is going in terms of the work that I'm getting more of and the people I'm getting to work with and that kind of direction. In the future, I think I definitely would like to increase my, I guess, financial security each year mm. um, whilst I do earn enough. The outdoors can be hard to earn much of a profit from. It's not known for being a particularly high paying industry. Mm. And whilst I'm not, you know, that making a huge amount of money isn't a huge drive for me, it would 
be really nice to know that I can increase my income by at least a bit each year and become more financially secure because you kind of I suppose as you get older you do realize how much of an impact that has on your life Mm. Uh, whether that's buying a house or putting money into savings or having a pension or saving for a rainy day or going on some holidays Mm -hmm. Um, so I I definitely want to increase my ability to make the choice to earn more Mm. and not just do that by having to work loads more hours and that's definitely something to consider um so what might that look like um, in terms of not necessarily working more hours, but what, what are the choices? Practically, I suppose those choices are having a little bit more work throughout the year. So obviously my winters are a little bit quieter, um, which is I do need that downtime. But obviously, the less I work in winter, the more I have to work in summer. Mm. And it would also look like how can I earn slightly more daily rates? And sometimes that will be by raising my prices. Mm-hmm. and deciding what I'm worth and also thinking about the cost of living and mortgage rates and all that jazz. Um, and partly that will be through potentially working with slightly bigger groups sometimes in group courses, mm-hmm. which whilst that involves more organisation, what I love about that is those group courses, people meet each other a lot and they gain a lot from mm-hmm. that. And, and I do see the benefit in that. Also, individuals don't have to pay as much. Mm-hmm. And so I can almost kind of invest in more group courses that can give me more returns, but it doesn't necessarily mean one individual is having to pay a huge amount more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also gives more opportunities for people on different incomes to come yeah. to different things with me. If I can have a range of products that I deliver from, you know, one-to-one stuff, which is mm-hmm. individually expensive down to kind of group stuff mm-hmm. or short workshops. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's the kind of year round work and there's the, I suppose, numbers through the door and thinking about that, Yeah, um, which takes some planning. But yeah, I don't want to just have to kind of work, only ever work more days to earn more money. Yeah. And it's been really interesting over our conversations over the years as you've made really positive choices, obviously, and, you know, to see how your business has evolved um, in those directions that you want to take it. So yeah, no, good luck with with that. That sounds fantastic. And I think what you're talking about, I suppose, in business speak, we would talk about looking at your pricing and packaging strategy, I guess, in terms of bigger groups, changing the pricing, just testing what works in terms of both revenue, but also profitability. So I think that would be really interesting to come back and find out how that's evolved. If you were to look back and share sort of some key learnings I think we've touched on quite a few already in terms of sort of outsourcing or just having the confidence to go down the route you want but you know if you were to point to sort of two or three things to Mm. either your younger self starting out or somebody in your sort of position today but starting out in a business what what would you say yeah there's lots of things isn't it but I think for sure trying to learn from experts in their field Mm. so I've mentioned some of those practical ways I've learned and maybe outsourced a little bit over the years and those are all options but also there is a heck of a lot of info on podcasts for example or Mm. online or through books or articles and so trying to you know find those people that really know their stuff about an area that you're not experienced in and working out a way that you can upskill so that Mm. sometimes means by a little bit of financial investment but also 
there are quite a lot of training opportunities or learning opportunities that don't cost the world at the minute. I think recognizing that we can't do it all and we shouldn't expect ourselves to be good at every aspect of our business. Mm. No, no one is, no one mm. can do everything really well. And I think sometimes when we kind of realize that, then we can be a little bit more open to working with our strengths mm. and getting support for those areas that are maybe our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as sole traders and running small outdoor businesses and also outdoor instructors often work on their own with a group. Mm. So I think we can get very stuck in this kind of, this is just me thing. Mm. And actually that support from other people, the networking, the collaborating with other people. Mm. There's so much to be gained from that and so much strength in that. And I think sometimes we can forget that. Even just going and shadowing other people, you know, whatever level we are in our business or awards or experience, I try and each year make sure I still go and watch other people work for a few days. And I learn so much from that. Yeah, thank you. Now, that's a really useful learning I think and I guess it's something we hear from a lot of people in this sector that plainly self-reliance and being capable within yourself is obviously an incredibly important skill but equally as you've outlined being open to learning from other people and collaborating with other people and um, it's just a really really nice point Um, I mean, just taking it more broadly to wrap up, what are you seeing as the sort of key challenges for the outdoor industry as a whole at the moment? Obviously, like, I suppose I am more involved in one aspect of the outdoor industry, Mm. and that would be your kind of climbing mountaineering side of things. and, And there's loads of others. But I think a few of the things that I would highlight would be, I do think there is a real challenge for us in the outdoor industry in terms of climate and environment and sustainability. Mm. I think it's been very easy for outdoorsy people and instructory people to think we have this real connection with nature and, you know, we really value the outdoors and really love the outdoors. And obviously we do, but I think if we take a bit of a harder look at ourselves, we mostly love it for what it gives us and for Mm. us going and doing our sport or flying to Spain in the winter or or whatever, Mm, going on all these mm. trips and often driving everywhere (laughs) and often driving in our own cars everywhere. Um, And so I think there is a real challenge, but also opportunity for us in the outdoors to kind of take a step up. And it's something that that I definitely need to do as well and work out uh, what our responsibility is and what we can role model and what changes we can make and often again as as individuals we don't think we can do much but actually most outdoor instructors come into contact with hundreds if not thousands of people a Mm. year that are kind of either just getting into the outdoors or developing and I do think we can have a real big Mm. impact so I think we we do need to step up but also like it's an exciting opportunity for sure I think another challenge in the outdoor sector is potentially pay and I'm certainly no expert on pricings and pay and and all the ins and outs of that at all Mm. but I think a lot of us that have come into the outdoor industry have come into it from a passion side of things and and a value side of things we love what we do we love the activities we love working with people we love being in the outdoors 
And so often we have worked for very little or we almost presume that other people should work for very little Mm. because we love what we do. Mm. And I think there's a little bit of a challenge there if we think about what we're delivering in terms of the quality, the safety we're providing, the risk management Mm. and the bigger picture in terms of people's skill set and people being able to afford to stay in Mm. that industry long term. Mm. So um, obviously there's no quick fix and tourism related industries are maybe always never going to be super highly paid necessarily but I think it it definitely is something we need to think about as sole Mm. traders as business owners as outdoor center directors and all of that in terms of like what are we like you said you know what what are we worth and what are we setting the example for and what's the progression for people Brilliant. Okay. Well, look, I think we're coming to the end of our time. I think it's been really lovely to catch up with you again. And it's been some fantastic learnings and points that I think people are really going to appreciate. Um, So thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Speak soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So, as you've heard, Esther has some great lessons for us all in business, regardless of what our sector or sport might be. Do go and read the blog interviews with her on the Adventure Collective Substack site to find out more about her business. And you'll also find some links with which you can connect with her. Please do follow those up because she's got some great content in her various website and social posts. And finally, thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Business of Adventure podcast wherever you normally get your podcasts. Goodbye.